Welcome to our service tonight. We're going to begin, please, with number 352, Like a River Glorious. The opening line reads, Like a River Glorious is God's perfect peace, over all victorious. Well, that's a good statement and a good truth for every true follower of the Lord to depend and rest on, that we do not depend on our own ability, but we're standing in the victory and trusting our Lord Jesus that has made us and gives us that victory over all. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord tonight. As we come to prayer tonight, we have much to give thanks for, much to praise God about all of the events of the past week that we know well, and we acknowledge that it is God's grace that goes in front of us 
and has helped us in many, many ways. We praise him for all the details of the week that have come to pass, and as we bring things to an end, well, we don't want to allow the blessing of God to run through our fingers, but we pray we'll close our hands tight and we'll not be like a bucket full of holes and let all the blessing flow away. We'll acknowledge and we will praise and thank the Lord and we will take hold of our spiritual blessings and possessions and we'll go forward from strength to strength. Again, it's good to see our sister Serene with us in the service tonight. We're thankful that she was here this morning and our brother Ron is here as well. Let's remember to pray for our brother Richard Teo and not able to be out today. I want you to remember tonight a little uh, Jaden. Uh, Jaden's uh, in the hospital right now. Uh, he had a very, very high fever this afternoon. His mom and dad took him to the hospital, and mom is still there with him today, tonight. And uh, do remember Andrew and Janelle as they're with us here tonight in the service. We'll remember that family and that little one in prayer. We'll come to the Lord now. Father, we do rejoice tonight for so great salvation. We have received, Lord, from your kind and merciful and gracious hand blessings that are so vast, so rich, Lord, and so free. We have been washed from our sins. Lord, we have been forgiven of all our iniquity. And today we know that we stand justified in the sight of our Holy Father. Oh God, we rejoice tonight that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that we will never be cast off into a lost eternity. And Lord, we are safe and secure. We pray that each day we might rejoice in that truth that we will feast continually in the great mercies and blessings of our salvation. And Lord, don't let the devil try to steal away those blessings or cause us to be in any doubt or quandary. Let us not be cast down or discouraged, but always keeping our eyes heavenward, always keeping our vision fastened by faith upon our risen Redeemer, for we stand secure and safe in him. Thankful, Lord, tonight that the house of our soul is built upon the solid rock of our salvation. And when the storm would come, our house will stand because we trust in the finished sacrifice and the victorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Father, tonight that our Lord Jesus is praying for us, the right hand, the majesty on high. Thankful that he is interceding, presenting his hands, his nail-pierced hands at the throne of grace, and our names are inscribed there. Oh God, we have a great and multiplied blessings. We ask tonight, Lord, that your blessing and hand would be upon those who are in physical need. Remember little Jaden in hospital. Lord, put your hand upon this little boy right now, and we pray that your blessing would be upon his dear mother and father 
and also Sister Janelle. Thankful that Serene is with us tonight in the service. We continue to hold her up, Lord, to touch her in the area of her physical need. Bless our brother Ron, encourage him, and also Richard Teo. We're thankful our, our brother Chris Provost and his family were in the service this morning. Lord, we pray for blessing to be upon him as well in his own health concerns. And Father, in some respect, we are just scratching the surface. There are others who have problems and concerns and elderly that are shut in that cannot be out at the service tonight. Lord, meet them at the very place of their need and bless them abundantly, Lord. May they not be at all hindered or missing out on the fellowship of God's people in the sense of not receiving and knowing the Savior by their side, standing with them at every point of need. Dear Father, we lift our Ebenezer, our thanksgiving for the blessings that we have enjoyed over this past week. Father, we have endeavored to do business with our Lord at the throne of grace, and as we have poured out our souls, Lord, we again know that as we agree together as touching these matters, we have the promise of the Scripture that we will have the request we desired of our Father. And so, Lord, hear our prayers multiply and bless all of our churches, all of our mission fields, every one that was represented in this past week. And we also, Lord, are very thankful for our two visitors that have come to be with us from the church in Ulster. Lord, bless them in their own ministries. Bless them in the work that they have to do in the service of Christ. And bless all of our congregations over there And, Father, not only in in Northern Ireland, but in the United Kingdom and all of our mission fields, Lord, there are many, and we have been given a responsibility, and, Lord, we do not take this lightly. We pray that there would be blessing multiplied upon all of our mission stations, and that, Lord, when sometimes our missionaries may feel alone, maybe they feel cast down, O God, may they sense and know that we are holding the ropes by prayer for all of these these various fields, and they would know rejoicing and thanksgiving. Dear Father, we're thankful that our brother Craig is with us today, and we pray for the work in Jamaica. We ask that blessing and the tide of blessing would rise higher in that congregation in little London, and that as our brother goes back, he will go in the fullness of the Holy Ghost and that he will preach the unsearchable riches of Christ with power, and that souls will be converted. Lord, move and breathe out your blessing upon that ministry, and may there be enlargement in other parts of the island of Jamaica. Thankful that we had Brother Lalo Pena today, this morning in our service, and tonight as he is in Port Hope. Lord, bless him there. Uh, We pray that as he ministers the word, And as his family goes back to their home tomorrow, that Father blessing would follow them and they would know great increase. Father, all of our witnesses, all of our different preaching ministries that go on, all of our missionaries, bless each and every one. 
Remember all of our churches across Canada and the United States. Father, we depend day by day upon your presence with us and the power of the Holy Spirit to go in front. So be with us in our service now tonight. We're thankful for your servant who has come to preach and to be with us. Bless him, we pray, in his own heart and stir up his own soul. And may the word that he brings to us tonight, may it be an encouragement and a blessing to each one of us. Be with us in our fellowship time after the evening service tonight and encourage us and help us to continue on in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, let's continue in our worship of the Lord tonight, number 361. 361, Jesus loves even me. We'll stand as we praise. this final verse and it says oh if there's only one song I can sing when in his beauty I see the great king this shall my song in eternity be what a wonder that Jesus loves me there is no greater truth that would resonate in the heart of a child of God to know 
when you put your head upon your pillow at night, you know that if you never wake up in the morning in this earth, that you will wake up in glory to be with your Lord and to know that everlasting truth that Jesus loves you. And because of that, we can also love him. Let's really lift our voices on this final verse because it does talk about gladness. So let the joy of the Lord come to your heart and your face tonight. be seated. That was good praise unto the Lord tonight. Our congregational reading of the Word of God is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Reading from verse 13 down to verse 16. And they brought young children to Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer, allow the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. I would suggest to you that when the Lord Jesus took those little children up onto his, in his arms, maybe he was sitting down, took them on his knees, put his hands upon them and blessed them, they would be glad little children, glad in their heart. Yes, they could sing the song that we've just been singing, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. We know that when those mothers brought their young children, and maybe dads too, but the mums that would have brought those young children, they did that with a purpose, with an intention. They wanted their little ones to be in contact with Christ. Mums, this is a day we have been thinking and recognizing the blessings of motherhood, and all others that have the opportunity of ministering to boys and girls? What is it in the heart of a Sunday school teacher as you open the Bible and begin to share God's Word with little ones? What is your desire? What are you trying to do? 
You're bringing them to the Lord Jesus. And your desire is that the Lord would touch them. His hand would be upon them. And He would bless them abundantly. And oh, if, if that's all that you are able to do as a Sunday school teacher, then you have succeeded in your ministry. And of course, parents, when you have brought mums, your little ones, and maybe today they're not so little anymore. Maybe your children have grown. Maybe they have even gone to the point where they have left the home now. Is your heart changed at all? Are you any different about your desire to bring them that the Lord would touch them and bless them? No, not at all. In fact, it has increased. It has grown, especially if we have to come and say that maybe our children are not walking with the Lord. Maybe they don't even know Christ as their Savior. Well, then our prayers are doubled, tripled, quadrupled. We seek the Lord constantly, don't we? And we know that when we bring them to our God, He sees the prayer, the desire, the longing of our soul, and the Lord is faithful, and He will hear, and He will answer. So never give up. Never surrender. Never stop praying. It would not be the first time when someone has testified after their parents' mothers have gone into the grave and have gone unto glory, and they have come to Christ after that point, those prayers have been answered, and the Lord is always faithful, and He will hear, and He will answer. Oh, may the Lord bless His Word to you as we thought about tonight. Welcome to our evening service. We are very happy that you are here tonight. And for some visitors, maybe for the first time in our service, you are very, very welcome. Take a moment and sign our visitor's book before you leave tonight out in the hallway. And we want to encourage you that we have a fellowship time after the service tonight downstairs, some light refreshments, and of course, the, it's not the main part of eating, although we've been doing a lot of that this last week. It seems that every time we turn around, we've been having some sort of a service of, of food fellowship, and that's been great because the whole week of meetings that we have just come through have been a great blessing to us. And of course, the whole idea of sitting around the dining table or sitting around the table to either share a coffee, uh, share um, an apple fritter maybe, share something more serious of dinner, it's the fellowship that is so precious. And those things are so important. So stand, plan to stay behind tonight. We've enjoyed having so many visitors this past week. I cannot name them all. And uh, some are still here. We'll be heading home tomorrow. And Brother Richard Craig, I believe, is the final one to take his departure from us on Tuesday morning. He will have an early airport run. Then I'll pick him up about 5 a.m. from his home where he's staying. He's been staying with Hyacinth and Clifton in their home. I know they've enjoyed having Richard. And um, Brother Lalo Pena and his family, we will not be able to see them again, I don't believe, unless they get back here to the church for the evening fellowship. Maybe they're planning that. I'm not sure. But uh, they're uh, also leaving out early tomorrow morning. So we're going to remember these ones that uh, we have seen and been able to fellowship with in our praying. And please let us continue on 
laying hold upon God and asking him to bless richly all of these uh, ministries. We enjoyed the ministry this morning in our church. Brother Gallagher was uh, speaking in the adult Bible class, and we were blessed by his ministry. And Reverend John Greer in the morning service today, and he brought us a good word about the life of Hannah and a woman of prayer and of how God heard and answered her intercession. And we want to take that to our hearts and press on and pray on. And tonight, our brother John Armstrong, I'll say a little bit more about him in just a moment before he comes to speak, but we're thankful that these brethren are here with us. Thinking about the services as we come to an end of this very exciting and busy week, and then we continue on Wednesday night, our Bible study and prayer. The temptation is going to be, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so worn out for this week. I think I'll just stay home and do Zoom. Well, no. If you can, if you're well able-bodied, you make sure you're in the house of prayer. The Zoom is for those who are shut in and maybe a bit elderly or at a distance away. And if we can all have it, you be in the house of prayer. It's great to have fellowship with God's people. And we want to pray on and press on and not to let down the side at all, but to press and prove, press the matter to the gates that the Lord will hear and answer our prayer. On Thursday evening of this week, we have our Whitfield Christian School Spring Concert for our primary and junior age young people. And so please, you are welcome to come along here. It will be in the church building. Next Lord's Day, our services will be at our regular times. Now this morning in our service, we gave out some little pads and pens that we had, especially remembering Mother's Day. And they went like hotcakes. I was going to say hot pads, but they went like hotcakes, and they just were all gone. This is the last one. So I'm going to put this up for auction. We might be able to raise some funds for this one here. I'm just kidding you. But I have one more, one last one here. And we also have some outreach cards that we have prepared. And these are on the table. If you want to take some of these and use them as outreach ministry, as pass them to friends and family members, it has a, a simple gospel message on it and also the church contact information. And there's a QR code that if you put that up to your phone, it'll take you to our website and you'll be able to see a gospel message. So these are going to be going out to all the Malvern community. 10,000 are going to be mailed out. As I mentioned this morning, the reason why we're doing that, uh, normally we would have the congregation distribute them, but this is going to be able to go into all of the apartment buildings and condominiums around the whole Malvern area, which we cannot do if you're just doing door-to-door work. And so please pray as these are still being printed and prepared, and we're going to get them sent off uh, to be mailed. Let's pray that God will use much the printed word and the gospel that goes out in that way uh, to bring souls uh, to him. Well, tonight, before our brother comes to bring the word, and we sing one more time, our young adults are going to come now and minister in song. So, folks, you please come and sing now.
Thank you very much, young people, for reminding us of those great gospel truths. May the Lord bless them all to our hearts. We're going to stand and sing one more hymn before our brother comes to preach, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Let's stand, please, to worship. We have enjoyed this week a feast of various ministers of the Word of God, and we have enjoyed that spiritual blessing. It's a blessing for us to welcome again to our pulpit uh, Reverend John Armstrong, who's the minister of Dungannon Free Presbyterian Church in Northern Ireland. Our brother was here back in 2010 when we had our International Congress here, and uh, we're very happy that he's back with us at this time as one of the representatives from the Ulster Presbytery. Our brother has been serving for the past three years as the moderator of the Presbytery there. His time comes to a conclusion in September, and I don't know if that's going to be a happy ending or a sad ending for him. I know the responsibilities of that are great, 
And so we are thankful the Lord gives gifts and he raises up men to do certain jobs for certain time periods. And we are thankful for God's hand upon his servant. So, brother, we welcome you to our pulpit tonight. We pray the Lord would bless you. Thank you. Could you turn the switch on? Yes, good the switch is on. Right. The switch is on. The That's switch good. is on, right. yeah. <laughs> I'd like to say it's a great joy and a privilege to be here with you this evening. As indeed we have been with you over the past week, we thank God for our fellowship together in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, My ears pricked up whenever I heard Mr. Saunders say that he was thinking of selling the pad and the pen by auction, because prior to me being in Bible college, I was an auctioneer, and I sold cattle, uh, sheep, and pigs. I never sold pens and pads before, but I was going to offer my services. If it hadn't been a Lord's Day evening, I was going to offer my services. And because our brother has been so kind to us this week, I was going to offer him a reduced rate of commission as well. So I wouldn't do it for nothing, but uh, I would give him what we call at home mates rates, which means if you're friendly with someone, you give them a special rate of commission, uh, charge them less. And so I would have done that for our brother, but it's the Lord's Day. Uh, I'm from Balamina, which is known as uh, a town that, where people love money and they like money. It's untrue, of course, completely. Uh, they don't give away money easily, so the reputation of Balamina people is. But I would have given our brother uh, a special discount and a special rate. But uh, it's the Lord's Day, and therefore we can't have an auction tonight. But uh, I certainly enjoyed that. being an auctioneer. It uh, brought me out of myself to a degree, I suppose. In early days, after I left school, I went straight to the auctioneer business, not by choice, really, but I was out of job for about three weeks, and that was the first job I could find, working in the auctioneer's office, and eventually then I became an auctioneer before the call of God into the ministry, oh, a long number of years ago now. But it's been a great joy to be with you this week and to have fellowship with uh, you as a congregation, uh, with your pastor, uh, with Dr. McClelland and their family, We appreciate very much indeed the kindness that has been shown unto us indeed. And we want to thank, I want to thank those from the congregation who have provided food and fellowship for us over the last week. We have provided with large helpings of both. Uh, Food has been given abundantly. The kindness has been shown to us in great measure indeed. We trust that the Lord will bless you all and bless you as a congregation uh, the Bible says, insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brother, ye have done it unto me. And I want to thank you sincerely on my own part, and I'm sure Mr. Greer had some words to say from uh, his congregation in Balamina this morning, also in these matters as well. Could I, as the moderator, uh, bring you greetings from our presbytery in Ulster? Uh, We're delighted and honored to stand upon the same spiritual ground that you stand upon. And while the specific matters that we are confronted with might vary to a degree, yet uh, your congregation and uh, us stand uh, in the same battle. We battle for the glory of God. We labor for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a presbytery then, we wish you well 
as a congregation in days to come. Dr. Saunders and, of course, Dr. McClelland are very highly regarded within our presbytery and by all who know them and are familiar with their work and their witness. And so we thank God for these brethren. We thank God for this congregation and for you who identify with the Lord's work in this part of the the world. And may the Lord's continued blessing be upon you for Christ's sake. May I also bring you greetings from our Dungannon congregation. Dungannon is about an hour's travel by road from Belfast, if you're anyway familiar with Ulster. And again, though we're on different sides of the Atlantic, yet we are laborers together in the work of Christ our Savior. And so on behalf of my own congregation in Dungannon, we pray indeed that you will know much of the Lord's grace in your stand for Christ uh, in these days and in days to come. I'd like to turn you in God's Word to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis, chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, and there are some verses that I would like to read to you, commencing at verse 1. Genesis chapter 29, beginning at the opening verse. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in a field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. What are ye the sheep? And go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near, And rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel, and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. 
And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Amen. And may the Lord bless his word to our hearts. It's that verse 20 and the final words of that verse that I'd like to use tonight as a text in the preaching of God's word at the conclusion of this service. Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. We'll bow together just briefly in a word of prayer. Our gracious and our eternal Father in heaven, we thank thee for this meeting tonight. We thank thee for the singing of the hymns of Zion and for the blessing of the ministry and song We rejoice, O God, that we're able to meet freely for our civil and religious liberty that permits us to meet tonight in this place, in this house, to read God's Word, to praise the name of the Lord Almighty, to gather under the preaching of the Word of the living God. And we thank Thee for every person in this service. We ask that Thou wilt be one of our number that thou wilt bless us together. And may thy word come with power and grace and blessing to each of our hearts. Hear and answer prayer in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. There are four great marriage unions mentioned to us in the book of Genesis. Each of those marriages underlines a different aspect of the relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ and his people, the saved and the redeemed. Because marriage, human marriage, between one man and one woman is one of those wonderful pictures and types of Christ and his people. There are a number of others, of course, mentioned in the Bible. For example, the stones and the building. That's another type of the union between Christ and the people of God. Christ is often seen in Scripture as the shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep. But marriage and this special union that is unique to human beings is the most wonderful, the most practical, the most intimate, 
the most personally experienced of all such types that are in God's Word concerning the Savior and His chosen people. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, in the verses 31 and 32, we read, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Those words, or something similar, appear also in Genesis 2.24 and Mark chapter 10 and the verse 7. And therefore we are given this threefold instruction in regard to this wonderful mystery as portrayed in marriage that is between Christ and his people. Revelation chapter 21 and the verse 8 speaks of the bride, the lamb's wife. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and the verse 14, the Lord is said to be married to his backsliding children. And therefore, that principle of the Lord and the church being in a relationship that's likened to a marriage union is well established throughout Scripture. In the book of Genesis, we discover that those four marriages that I have already mentioned to you portray a different aspect of this relationship between Christ and his people. In Genesis chapter 2, we have a record of the marriage between Adam and Eve. And that highlights the source of marriage. This marriage, first marriage, was instituted by God himself. The Lord had said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make for him and help meet for him. And from man's rib, of course, the Bible tells us, and it's true, for we believe everything that's in the Bible. From man's rib, the Lord took that rib from his side, and he made a woman, and he brought her unto the man, and therefore, in effect, he joined them in holy matrimony and in marriage. And as the Lord is the source of marriage, so the Lord is the source of God's salvation. It is God's salvation. Had not God chosen a people and chosen a means whereby men and women might be redeemed, you and I would never have found salvation. And we would never have found peace. And this humanity would have been lost for all eternity. And then in Genesis chapter 24, we have the marriage between Abraham's son and his bride. And you perhaps will know the story how Abraham sent Eliezer forth and he sought a bride for Isaac, his master's son. And in Rebekah he found one who was willing to leave her home and her family and travel back all the way to the land of Canaan in order to be the bride of Isaac. That speaks to you and me of the father seeking the sinner because the sinner left to himself will never come to Christ. John chapter 6 and the verse 44 speaks of God the father drawing a man to himself, convicting him of a sin, 
creating faith within his heart, bringing him into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. The hymn writer said, He drew me and I followed on, charmed to confess that voice divine. And then in Genesis chapter 41, we see the splendor of marriage portrayed in the splendor of God's salvation also, because that marriage in Genesis chapter 41 was the marriage between Joseph and his bride Asenath. Of the four marriages that are highlighted in the book of Genesis, this is the only one that includes and gives some details in regard to the actual wedding day. Joseph, of course, at that particular time was given Asenath when he was known as the savior of the world because in Egypt, Joseph was renamed as Zaphnath-Paneah. And one of the translations of that word is literally savior of the world because Joseph, as you will know, had forewarned the Egyptians as to the coming famine And Pharaoh said to anyone who came looking for seed or corn or whatever had been stored in the barns of Egypt during the good years in the time of famine, Pharaoh sent them to Joseph. And he named Joseph with this wonderful name. And on the day when Joseph was recognized as being a savior, humanly speaking, he was given Asenath in marriage. It speaks about the splendor of God's salvation. Speaks concerning this fact that one day there is in God's wonderful plan and redemption a day whenever all the people of God will be gathered in heaven at the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Dr. Saunders mentioned to everyone in the meeting tonight to gather together a little later on for fellowship for some food, gather around the table. And there's a picture there of that day in eternity to come when every redeemed soul, every child of God will gather in heaven at that wonderful marriage supper. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I trust you'll be there. I trust that you're a child of God. I trust that you know Christ as your Savior. But it is to the third of these marriages in Genesis, as far as the order of Scripture is concerned, that I want to turn your attention tonight. And that is this marriage, this wonderful union between Jacob and Rachel. And the thought concerning this marriage, the teaching concerning this marriage, is that of sentiment or love. Now, many people today marry for different reasons. Some enter into arranged marriages in certain parts of the world, and they are constrained to join with a husband or a wife, perhaps someone that they've never met before, perhaps someone in some instances that they don't really like or have never had any sort of a relationship with before, but they are forced into these marriages because of some sort of a convenience or arrangement. Some marry for money or for material benefit. 
hoping that having engaged with a bride or a husband that they will come into their inheritance. There are others who marry for fleshy desires, but the sole basis for every true biblical marriage is love. Love. Marriage can survive without material benefits. There's many a poor man or woman who have been happily married for many, many years indeed, and yet they have no real amount of money in their bank account. They do not have much of this world's goods, and their marriage has survived well. Why? Because they love one another. Marriage can survive without health. And as people get older, some cases younger people as well, one individual in that marriage union can fall into ill health. And yet, though one might be incapable of doing very much and it falls upon the other to look after that individual, yet the marriage survives. Indeed, it grows stronger. Why? Because they love one another. And in their vows, they say, my marriage is for better or for worse. In sickness and in health. We also discover that marriage can survive without offspring, without children. Most people, when they get married, they expect to have children. It doesn't always work out in every situation, in every circumstance, for whatever reason. And yet, though, there may be an older couple, maybe you're here tonight as an older couple, you don't have children. It did not work out for you to have offspring, and yet your marriage still survived. Why? Because you love one another. Marriage can survive the trial. Deep trials come to couples in the loss of loved ones, other family members, in the loss, perhaps, of everything that they've worked for and there are times in marriages when the individual's hearts are breaking, and yet the marriage survives. Why? They love one another. Love, you see, is the basis of every true marriage. It must be. It must be. If there's no love, the marriage is heading towards the, the rocks of shipwreck indeed. And this marriage between Jacob and Rachel survived for many years until her death. Why? Because of the love that they had for one another. We read there in verse 20, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And love must be the sole basis for every marriage. And we discover one or two things that I wish to highlight to you very, very quickly from this passage in regard to Jacob's love for Rachel and try to portray in and through this message then the Lord's love for you and me. Firstly, I'd like you to think about the sacrifice in this love. Because in order for 
Jacob, to love Rachel, he had to do, perform a number of things. He had to primarily leave his father's home and his father's abode. And he had to go from that place where they were at that time dwelling and go east to the people of the east, the Bible tells us. And in so doing, we see a portrayal and a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because Christ as Jacob, Christ came to this earth as a chosen and an anointed son. He came with a distinction. And that's how it was in regard to Jacob leaving the family home. Because Jacob... In leaving that home, he did so having been given a special birthright. You'll con consider with me what Isaac said to Jacob's brother if you look at Genesis chapter 27 and the verse 37. And there Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him, speaking of Jacob, behold, I have made him thy Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I now do unto thee, my son? So, therefore we can deduce that whenever Jacob left the family home, he did so with a great distinction upon him, a wonderful honor having been placed upon him, the honor of being the, the blessed son in the home, the chosen son in the home and in the family. Just like Christ, the only son of God. He came to the despised, did Jacob also. Because we read in Genesis chapter 29 and the verse 9, that while Jacob, having reached the east, he spoke to those whom he met at the well. And the Bible tells us that while he yet spake with them, verse 9, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. He came to the shepherd. Shepherds in Israel and in other parts of the Middle East, I would assume at that particular time, were despised because they had a reputation of perhaps being untrustworthy. Shepherds, of course, in those days wandered about from place to place over large tracts of land. And it said concerning the shepherd, if you left something lying, that the shepherd would steal it from you. And then, of course, it would head to some other part of the land and they would be away. You could not regain what was stolen from you. And therefore, to be a shepherd was rather a despised occupation indeed. I believe also in New Testament times that shepherds could not testify in court and things like that. They had a bad reputation. They were a despised race of people. And where did Jacob come to? He came to a shepherd to win someone who was despised and someone who was unthought of. And yet we discover that when Jacob comes. He wasn't too honorable to speak to Rachel. There might be someone here tonight. And you're not a child of God. And perhaps 
because of some circumstance, perhaps because of your, your background or something you've done. Maybe you're despised by individuals who know you. And perhaps you feel unloved. And perhaps you think that in this life you're all alone and nobody cares for you. The hymn writer, was it from the States, who penned the, world, the, the words with Charles Wiggle, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He did that, I believe, after his wife walked out on him. And there might be someone in this meeting tonight, and to all intents and purposes, you are a despised individual. But thank God you're found tonight under the sound of the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm able to tell you of one who loves the sinner. Perhaps you are far down in the depths of sin. And you've no thought for God. What is sin? Sin is the breaking of God's law. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery, etc., etc. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. To summarize the first table of God's law. And maybe you've broken every commandment in the book. But thank God I can say to you tonight that the Lord loves people like you. He loves sinners. And that's why there are many of us, I believe, in this meeting tonight who are redeemed and saved by the blood of Christ because the Lord loved us and He spoke to us in our sin and in our need. Jacob came to a duty. To a duty. Because he says in verse 12, he informs Rachel of the, who he is and what he is. He identifies himself as a member of her family. And he says in effect that he was bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And thank God we consider the Lord Jesus Christ who came to this earth. He came not as an angel. He came as one who identifies with men and women. And you see all the wonderful riches in regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he set them all aside as far as Humanity was concerned. And he who was rich became poor. And we see in this man, Jacob, therefore also he's heir to all the riches of Isaac and therefore of Abraham. He's the son of the covenant. And yet we discover in this passage that he permits himself to be used as a servant. He could have bought and sold Laban his father-in-law. He had much more wealth than Laban would ever have. He had much more honor than Laban would ever have. He had much more glory than Laban would ever have. And yet, he permits himself to be used as a servant. He allows himself to be cheated. Why? Because he loved Rachel. That he might win Rachel to himself. 
And the Bible tells us of Christ, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon, the for, uh, took upon himself the form of a servant. Why? Because he loves sinners. And he humbled himself in his birth, in his life, in his death and through his humiliation and perfect life and sacrifice, our redemption is secured all because of the love that he showed toward us guilty sinners, rebellious and deceitful in his sight. You look again at this passage in Genesis chapter 29 and you will discover that he came from a distance, did Jacob. He came from a distance, a great distance, because this was a long journey that Jacob undertook. It's reckoned, estimated that in going to where Rachel was, he traveled about 500 miles in order to win her. Rachel, or, or Jacob, I should say, traveled on the horizontal. He traveled on the flat across land and river, but Christ in the distance that he came to win you and me, Christ tra traverses on the vertical. He comes down. And oh, what a distance there is there, both in the physical sense of distance, but more particularly in regard to the place to which he came from the glories of heaven and yet we discover that Christ traveled this wonderful distance in coming down from the glory. It's a distance that cannot be measured in terms of kilometers or miles. It's a distance that is incalculable. It cannot be reckoned up. It cannot be put into measurements that you and I can understand. And yet Christ came down. He came under the sentence of death, did, Rach, did Jacob for Rachel. Because we discover in Genesis chapter 27 and the verse 41 that Esau said concerning him, and Esau hated Jacob. Oh, Christ is despised of men. He's despised of men. And you talk to people about any subject and you'll be able to converse with them well and they will respond to you. You begin to talk to someone about Christ and very often you will see the hostility dwell up within their hearts and their mood changes and their reaction to you changes. Why? Because the world hates Christ. Men and women in the world, they, they hate Christ. We all were the same ones. Genesis 27, verse 41 says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And Christ comes to this earth under sentence of death, just as Jacob went forth under a death sentence. And he goes all the way to the cross 
and he becomes man's substitute. And he takes upon himself man's sin. And he says in regard to his people, I will make that sin my sin. And the blessed, spotless, innocent Lamb of God goes to Calvary's tree, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, and the Father pours out his wrath upon the blessed Son and turns away his face. Oh, we, we sang that beautiful hymn just before I came to the lectern here, How Deep the Father's Love. And at Calvary, God the Father turns his face away from his blessed Son, the only time in eternity that they are at a distance of one from the other, as it were. And there's darkness upon the earth, and the wrath of God for his people is poured out upon the, the blessed Lamb of God. And he bears the sentence of death because the wages of sin is death. If you're in this meeting tonight, you deserve to die eternally, everlastingly. And unless you receive Christ, you will die eternally and everlastingly because the wages of sin is death, ultimately eternal death. Jacob came for Rachel because he loved her with the utmost diligence, with great diligence. Because he came to where Rachel was. The Bible tells us in verse 1 there that he came into the land of the people of the east. He didn't stop halfway. He didn't find himself waylaid along the journey. No, he was sent to this place. He was sent to this place. In Genesis 27 and the verse 43, Jacob's mother had told him, Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. And to Haran, Jacob came, and to the house of Laban. I haven't time to major upon what sort of a man Laban was. Sufficient to say he was a deceiver. You Look at his treatment of Jacob, and it proves that. You read of him in Genesis chapter 24, whenever Abram's servant many years before had arrived at the same place in choosing a wife for Isaac. And the Bible says in verse 30 of that chapter that it was only when he saw the earrings and the bracelets which the servant had given to Rebekah that he showed himself friendly. So Laban was a greedy, selfish, deceitful individual, and yet that's the place to which Jacob came. Why? Because he loved Rachel. And so Christ must come to earth, and he must come among sinners, and he must live a perfect life and live as a perfect man because the church cannot be redeemed from heaven. He must therefore come to the scene of man's crime. And he must suffer as a man in the likeness of sinful flesh. He must come down among sinners. He must endure their hatred and their lies, their deceit. And he must be put to death at their hand. And he does so because he loves sinners. He loves sinners. 
And so we have, firstly, we have the fact of the love of Christ as portrayed here in this portion of God's Word. It's a sacrificial love. I would say to you also that the love of Christ is a supreme love. And I must move quickly. My time's long gone. The love of Christ is a supreme love. Who can grasp the depths of the words of our text? And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days. Why? For the love he had to her. That was why the time just flew past. He loved her so much. The time flew past. And it seemed as if days rolled into years. And those seven years went past so quickly. This was a timeless love, I would suggest to you, because the days and the years of those seven years made no difference. They meant nothing to Jacob whatsoever. He was so wrapped up in the deep love for his bride. And when he had to serve another seven years, as I'm sure you'll know the story, he did so willingly. Verse 20 just says that he served seven years for Rachel. You'll note in verse 25 when Laban says that he must marry Leah first. What is this that thou hast done? Verse 25, did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? But when it comes to serving another seven years for Rachel, Jacob is silent. There's no word of a question. There's no thought of him not doing it. The Bible just says in verse 28, and Jacob did so because he loved her. And you see, Christ's love for you and I, for men and women, extends beyond days and years. Christ's love for his people is a love which predates his coming to earth. It is a love supreme in that it is an eternal love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Christ's love for his people did not begin when he came to this earth. Nor did it commence merely when he went to the cross. His love for you and I who are God's people tonight did not begin at the moment of our conversion to Christ. No, he has loved us from all eternity. This was a love that was triumphant, not only timeless, but triumphant. Because the love of Jacob for Rachel, it made a difference between Leah and Rachel. Verse 30 in this chapter says that Jacob loved also Rachel more than Leah. It's not that he didn't love Leah. According to the customs of the time, he was now also married to Leah. But Jacob did not hate Leah. No, it's just that he loved Rachel more. And Jacob served for Leah seven years. It took two periods of seven years to purchase Rachel. Now, if seven years was the, the normal that a man had to serve for a wife at that particular time, then what Jacob did for Rachel was beyond the normal. This is something that's wondered at. 
You'd be disappointed if you had to serve seven years for your wife. Only to be told at the end of that time, oh no, you've got to serve another seven years. Maybe you would have walked away after the first seven years. I don't know. Don't, don't tell her tonight whether you would have or not. And after the first seven years, Jacob might have walked away from Rachel, but no, he couldn't do it. Why? Because he loved her. He loved her. It was a love that was greater than the love that he had for Leah. And yes, as I've said, I want to emphasize it, he did love Leah. And he provided for Leah in many, many ways. And she was brought into the family and received all that he had, her share of all that he had to give her. But he loved Rachel more. And so seven or serving 14 years in order to win a bride was something that was unheard of. This was a love that was special. It was a supreme love. And you know, in providing for the whole of mankind in so many different ways, the love of God to this world is proven. Because the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Good men as well as Wicked men are given life. They are given all the blessings of life. They are given food. They are given health and strength. They are given families and homes and everything that we count dear in life. Evil men and good men receive the same from God as far as these common graces, these common mercies are concerned. And so there's not an individual who can say in the, the sense that God is their created father that the Lord does not love them. He does. His love is proven in all the blessings that you receive temporally. But thank God there is a special love reserved for God's people. A love that separates the believer from the unbeliever. And those of us who are in Christ are the objects of the special supernatural love of Christ. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He did not give himself for all of mankind. He gave himself for the church, for his people, his chosen, a specific group of people. And you who are here today as God's children, you are the object of the supreme love of God. Life might be hard for you at this moment in time, but never forget that you're loved. Loved from heaven. Loved by Christ. This supreme love that Jacob had for Rachel is evidenced in that he testified of himself to her. He revealed himself in what he was and who he was to, to Rachel. There she was. She had no thought of him. She was oblivious to his presence, going about her normal everyday activities as a shepherdess. And yet Jacob comes and he informs her as, who he, as to who he is. He didn't tell any of the others. No, he spoke to this girl personally. And he showed himself to her by a kiss and by tears 
And by his word, according to verses 11 and 12, the kiss is a sign in the, the east, I am told, of welcome. Tears are a sign of concern. His word is a picture of the holy scriptures of truth. And so here is Jacob. And he speaks to this girl. And he kisses her and he sheds tears for her to demonstrate his love, his concern, the fact that he is serious and the fact that he has come to win her. This love was not only sacrificial love, a supreme love, it was also a secure love. You read through this chapter and I believe the same applies in every instance where the love of Jacob and Rachel is mentioned, and you will note that it's always Jacob's love for Rachel that's emphasized. You look at verse 18. Jacob loved Rachel. Look again at verse 20. He served seven years, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Look at verse 30. Also, he went in unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. On each occasion, it is the love which flows from Jacob to his bride that's emphasized. That's not to say that Rachel did not love Jacob. No doubt she did. But the Holy Ghost focuses the attention upon his love for her. Again, it's a picture of Christ. We love him. Because he first loved us. He loved her despite her background. She came from heathendom. And so Christ loves his people not because of what we are or were, but in spite of what we were. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And maybe you are in that list there. List of all the most scarlet sins that a man or a woman could commit. And you think there's no salvation for you. But listen to what the next verse says. Having highlighted these awful sins and these awful sinners. Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6 says, And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. And thank God the Lord loves the worst of people. Jacob loved Rachel despite the fact that she was not only from a strange or a different background, he loved her despite the fact that she was for many years barren. Again, we discover that from verse 31 of Genesis chapter 29. And oh, when you and I as God's people think about how little we love the Lord, aren't we amazed that he still keeps his affection towards us? Aren't we amazed every time he forgives our sins? Aren't we amazed every time that he answers prayer for us? Aren't we amazed that he, he doesn't cast us aside? And here is this woman, 
barren. To be barren in those times was regarded as something that was a certain amount of shame in being barren. And yet still he loved her. Still he loved her. You see, the Bible tells us concerning Christ's love for us. In Solomon, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, in the verse 7, many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. You may have seen pictures, or you may have heard of the, the recent fires still raging, I believe, in Alberta. And I don't know how much water might be poured upon these fires, but they, they cannot be quenched. As of Saturday, I read there was 83 active fires, wildfires. And no matter how much water you pour upon such fire, it's almost impossible to quench. It rages on regardless. But therein is a picture of Christ's love for you and I. Many waters cannot quench His love for you. And this love finally is viewed in it was secure, secured in its blessing. Because eventually Rachel would be led away from the heathendom and taken away from the place of her birth and brought eventually to the land of Canaan, the place of God's promise. You see, Jacob was the son of the promise. He couldn't live or he couldn't dwell forever in Haran. He couldn't. Being the son of the promise, he was merely only there for as long as it took to win Rachel. And whenever the bride was won, what did he do? He took her from that place. He took her from all the temptations of that place. He took her to the land of promise. Whenever the Lord saves a sinner, He delivers them from the, the snares and the chains that bind them. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're caught up in alcohol or whatever it might be, whatever sin it is, and you could never imagine how you could ever be free from those chains that bind you. But thank God, the Lord who saves an individual, He takes away the love of sin from their hearts. He takes the power of sin from their souls. He delivers them. He sets them free. I remember a number of years ago, my wife told me I was giving up sugar in my tea. I don't drink coffee, but she told me, you're, you're getting too fat. You're going to have to give up sugar. And at first it seemed like a terrible thing. But if I would try to take cup of tea now or something with sugar in it, I couldn't do it. Why? I've lost the taste for it. And that's what the Lord does whenever He saves a soul. He loves them. He has died for them. In time, He comes to them. He reveals Himself to them. He draws them to Himself. And then what does He do? He takes away the love of sin from their hearts. And no longer do they live for those sins. They, they then begin to live for Christ. And that's how it was as far as Jacob and Rachel was concerned. In Genesis 35, we read of Rachel's death in Canaan. She died in childbirth. 
as you may know. She died giving birth to a little boy whom she called Benoni, the son of my sorrows. But after her death, she was he was renamed by Jacob. He called him Benjamin, the son of the right hand. And you know, there is a time whenever you and I, God's people, will exchange the sorrows of this life, the Benoni of this life, for a place at the Lord's right hand. And there is tonight in heaven the greater Benjamin, Christ, the Son of the right hand, supplying the need of his people, ministering grace to them. And one day he shall take us to be with himself. That's your hope. In all the difficulties of this life, that's your hope. It's better on before. And if there's someone here in closing, you're not yet a child of God. You wish to speak to Mr. Saunders. At the end of this meeting, he can explain to you how you can be converted, how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can have peace with God. He can explain to you the outcome of the love of Christ towards sinners. Jacob, he loved Rachel a marriage based in love. May the Lord give us all marriages like that. May the Lord grant unto us God's wonderful salvation if you're not yet a believer. Thank you for your attention. May the Lord bless you. I'll hand to Dr. Saunders again. Thank you. Brother has pointed us tonight to the Lord and to the great love of our God to us. He's made the appeal, if you do not know him, then now is your opportunity. The arms of the Lord are open to receive. He said, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If God's been striving with your heart, we cannot save you. But where you're seated right now, you can call on the Lord and he will hear Maybe you're at home, online. You're watching a service tonight. May God speak to your heart and just bow before him, confess your sins, call upon the Lord to save you. And he has promised that he will do that. Our loving Father, we commit the word of God to every heart, every one of us, Lord, tonight. Write it upon our souls. Help us, we pray, to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Make us, we pray, witnesses of his love. Give us the joy of pointing sinners to Christ, that we will be soul winners. Lord, speak on tonight to anyone outside of the Lord. And Father, bless us now as we go downstairs and have some time of fellowship together, receive our thanks for the food that is provided, and help us to eat and drink to your glory. We ask in Jesus' precious name, amen.